Podcast. This is Mike from Frankfurt. This is RJ from The Hake. And you are with us for episode 19, otherwise known as season 2, episode 3, because that person in The Hague over there threw a curveball at me, and uh, yeah, we're now in season 2. How I roll. Yeah, because we've gone over one year, and... Um, been a while since you and I have spoken in this uh, recorded form. Um, you were you were kind of cheating on me over the last two podcasts by interviewing some highfalutin uh, industry magnates, and I went and recorded a uh, session with the whiskey and watches guys in Cincinnati. Well, I didn't go to Cincinnati, but that's where they are, which was a lot of fun. But now we're back together again. Oh, that's nice. Reunited. And it feels so good. <laughs> True. <laughs> Last one we did was uh, July 1st, I think, from what I see in my uh, statistics. And afterwards, I did an interview with uh, Jean-Marc Pontrouet. He's the CEO of Panerai. And one with Petros Protopapas from uh, Omega. He's the brand heritage manager for them. Your French sounded really good back there, by the way. La vache, Giri. Wow. The Smiling Cow. It's a cheese for kids. (laughs) So, boy, we've, um, but, you know, we we saw each other last week in Geneva. We uh, recorded that that, uh, lengthy video on historic Seiko divers. And so, yeah, actually, we've, we've kind of seen each other more recently during this COVID period than we, we would during a, a non-COVID period, whatever that is. So, yeah, yeah, but but we thought we would come back together here because A, we're long overdue, but B, we've finally got really bucketfuls of news to discuss. And um, yeah, I I think though that we should uh, stick with uh, something that we've done on at least the uh, episodes where you don't talk to more interesting people than me. And... um, Hand Galenk Controller. Yes. So you're up first. What do you have on that wrist of yours? Well, a bit um, predictable because I today I'm wearing my Speedmaster Caliber 321. I uh, picked it up uh, after our last recording um, in uh, in Switzerland in the new Omega boutique. And um, yeah, I really love it. When I saw it, I think uh, you were there as well. Um, um, I fell in love with it and I need to have it so I ordered it right away and uh, yeah mine was uh, ready quickly so um, I enjoy wearing this watch and um, um, the the, the Calibre 321 is really beautiful but besides that I think they really did a neat job on the case the dial the the hands uh, and especially the bracelet Um, the bracelet is not really new it's uh, more or less the same as the Apollo 11 from last year the steel one um, they just um, changed the end pieces, I think. But yeah, it's a lovely watch. I, I can I can agree. Um, 
you know, I saw it last week uh, when you arrived in, in Geneva. And I think the best thing I can say about it, because I own a, a very late Ed White, is that it feels like an Ed White. I mean, <laughs> you put it on the wrist and uh, it feels exactly like that. However, you know, as we've said before, you're, mer- you're wearing a modern watch that is under warranty, feels a bit more robust. Not that you would go scuba diving with it or intentionally try to slam it into a door, but you, you really feel like you're wearing something that can be worn every day. And the bracelet well, is also so. great. Yeah. yeah. The bracelet is amazing. It's a bit thicker than the original, uh, uh, original, um, but not much fresh bracelet, but not much, but not much. And it's better than the, uh, 60th anniversary Speedmaster. I think you have one as well from the trilogy. Yes. Um, the bracelet is uh, thinner and the clasp is a bit more modest and, um, yeah, it wears very well. It's a bit heavier than a original one because of the sapphire crystals on uh, both sides. You know, I, I, and to segue here before, before we move to, to what's on my wrist, I have to say, like with that watch, um, and okay, with with Omega, it sort of started last year with the um, 50th anniversary pieces, like the gold one we have and the stainless model. But with that one and now this um, this Ed White reedition, <clears throat> they they really have turned it around on the uh, the bracelet game. And I kind of joked in an article, I can't remember if it was on the um, the Breitling. Super Ocean Heritage 57 that I picked up or the recent uh, Ming Diver that I tested or some of the watches we'll talk about today. But 2020, despite it being probably one of the worst years in history, is turning out to be the year of the bracelet or the good bracelet. It's like companies have finally figured it out. Um, Okay, Seiko has some work to do, uh, but it's like... We, we no longer have to to really worry as much uh, with some of these brands. They, they're they're and turning bitch around about again. it. What's that? And bitch about it. Yeah, I mean, I know it's your favorite uh, Schadenfreude topic, but uh, you're you're going to be soon. You know, if these brands continue down this path, you're going to have nothing to complain about. Yeah, it's, uh, it uh, makes my job more complex. I you think. should you should just move to Germany for six months, then you'll have plenty to. Plenty to complain about. <laughs> Just go to the store every day, and you'll be you'll be good to go. <laughs> I'm so. not cutting this out. <laughs> uh, I meant on customer service. That's what I meant. So, yeah, of course. So yeah, so fair enough. Um, on my wrist, I I actually stuck on topic with one of the things that you know whether you're sick or not about uh, of hearing about it or not. Um, We're going to talk about it anyway, but I'm wearing my early 1970s Rolex 1680 red Submariner date. And yeah, this is a watch that I bought about, I would say within the first year of moving over to Europe. Um, I think I've told this story before, but my dad stumbled upon a, um, a jewelry store a little bit North of Toronto that, um, I think is is still actually an Omega AD and and some other brands, but you know, like a lot of jewelry stores, they'll take in trades. And he was looking through their estate section at that time. They had a, a 1675 GMT Master, which I wish we I wish we would have bought. And they had this red Submariner, and it was uh, like five thousand dollars Canadian. It looked a little bit uh, worn. The pictures weren't great, but 
decided to take a gamble on it. And, um, yeah, finally about, uh, five years later or so, I decided to get off my rear end and track down a new old stock, um, top hat crystal. And I sent it to our buddy, Paul Diva, and he did his magic, which just comprised of a, of a really good service, putting that new crystal in and, uh, getting it back to me. So it's nice. a cool, cool watch. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to tell whether it's been polished, but it's definitely been worn like hell. I mean, the, the jewelry store said the guy was, um, someone who split time between Canada and Trinidad. And I think this watch saw, saw a lot of things, but I like it. And it's, it's kind of on point for today. Cause yeah, we're going to talk Rolex later in the new Submariners and I put it on because it's nice to look down at these slender lugs and know that, uh, Rolex listened to us because we were the ones who told them they should bring back those slimmer lugs and look what they did. Yeah. Yeah. They reach for Teller all the time. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But, but Oops. first we want to talk about where we were last week because uh, we made the journey down to Geneva. Um, I drove, you guys flew in and uh, yep. Rob flew in from uh, Dresden and I got there a little bit before you and participated in a, in a workshop that, that I can't really talk about, but um, you guys came in and, and we attended the, uh, the first ever Geneva watch days, which just for the folks out there was uh, planned to happen. I believe this past April and was obviously pushed out for Corona related reasons. And they decided to bring it back uh, for, for last week for, I think it was about four or five days long. And yeah, the, the, the event really was comprised of um, a number of brands coming together, about 15 or so, who decided either to use their own boutiques in Geneva or rented out space in one of the uh, fancy hotels right there along the lake. And, <clears throat> you know, it, it was an opportunity to see novelties um, and also you know, see some other pieces in the normal collection, some that were released earlier in the year that really we hadn't gone hands-on with. Um, and it was a real mix between, you know, let's call it the approachable luxury side, like um, Breitling to the very high-end stuff like Urwerk uh, and MBNF and Vertu. Um, and I, I would just say about the venue and I promise our jail, I'll give you a second here uh, <laughs> once I'm done, but I, I really, I thought it was great. I thought it was really relaxed. I liked the fact that we weren't stuck inside of some convention center um, under the hot lights and stuffy air. I liked the fact that we moved around quite a bit from boutique to hotel to boutique and had a walk outside and the spaces were really, uh, spacious. And I, I just thought it was a really nice opportunity to sit down with these brands and really pick their brains over the watches and how they designed them and get a good feel for them and do it in a way where we weren't rushing and, you know, felt, felt under stress. I mean, to me, this is the way these things should be done. And I know Geneva is a hub because it's in Switzerland uh, but if you think about all the cities in Europe, especially that have these wonderful boutiques with sitting areas for their clients, you know, they could rotate this thing around and, and do it in London, Paris, et cetera, um, Amsterdam, whatever. I, I thought it was great. So I don't know what you think. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, but first, let me also uh, tell you about uh, we got some comments, uh, and I saw some generic comments uh, on the interwebs about uh, safety uh, because there's this thing called uh, COVID nineteen going on, and uh, especially people who did not went um, um, expressed their uh, concerns about uh, safety. But um, I have to say that in Switzerland, they're very uh, strict. You had to wear the masks um, everywhere in sight. So in the hotels, in boutiques, in shops, and of course, also in the, in the plane and the train and other public transport. Um, it's more strict than here in the Netherlands. And um, perhaps it's the same as in, in Germany. I don't know the current status. Yeah, similar. But I have to say, I, I, I felt safe and perhaps... Wearing a mask is, uh, is not uh, reducing uh, every risk to zero, but by wearing a mask, it also makes you more aware of the situation and that you need to be careful. So, um, yeah, now that's uh, out of the way. I have to agree with you that uh, the event was uh, very well organized, except for the welcome to dinner and so on. Um, I think the organization uh, messed up the registrations a bit. But um, otherwise, it was very good. We didn't go to dinners anyway because, um, yeah, um, we Did think our it's own fine to have our own dinners yeah. <laughs> um, um, in special areas in, in Geneva that we never saw before. And um, But I liked uh, the idea of this uh, Geneva Watch Days. I like the fact that there are a number of brands uh, cooperating on this. And it was a combination of big brands like uh, Breitling and uh, Bulgari, uh, and some smaller independent brands like Moser and MBNF, um, uh, Raketa, and so on. So it was a very nice mix of brands. Of course, uh, a lot of brands weren't there because I think in total there were like 17 or 16 brands. And some brands, they took advantage of the fact that there was Geneva Watch Days. So they had these walk-ins basically in their either manufacture or boutiques. So we also went to Gégère Le Coultre to have a look at some of the watches they released and will release in the future. And um, we went to Panerai, for example, who officially are not part of Geneva Watch Days, but they opened their boutique with the novelties they, they presented uh, in the recent months. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I really, uh, I really like the format. And uh, like you say, I like the fact that it's not in one big convention place uh, you you get to walk around a bit you walk from boutique to to uh, to hotel and and uh, and vice versa so yeah i really liked it um, um what i also liked is um the brands took quite some time for us and we were also able to invest quite some time uh, into the brands to take pictures to talk to them to to discuss uh, their future products or the current uh, watches they were showing um, which I think resulted in quite some good coverage on Geneva Watch Days, quite a bit of in-depth coverage, um, whereas with Basel, you always see that it's about being the first or being quick to, to report. And uh, yeah, now we got some time to, uh, to uh, properly do write-ups on uh, what we have seen there. So uh, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and I, I think on that, you know, there wasn't, you know, Basel, you remember like the windows or sort of closed at Rolex and then they magically open. And here I felt really all the brands got equal showing. Um, and like you said, they really made a lot of time for us. Um, and you're right. I, I didn't mention the whole safety thing, but kind of to echo what you said, 
it was quite strict on masks and um, hand sanitizing and distancing. Um, I thought, you know, I, I felt pretty good. And if I, you know, there, there were times maybe it was outside and okay. I choose to wear a mask um, perhaps more than, more than some do, you know, talking about COVID I've learned, especially in 2020 is a bit like talking about politics or religion. I mean, people have very different feelings on this and how to react and, and what we all should be doing. But I think that at the end of the day with um, the laws that are out there, you know, you have to, you make the choices you feel comfortable with. And for me, taking those precautions and, and seeing that those, um, those types of safety uh, things were there for us to take advantage of like masks. If you didn't have one, they had them for you. The hand sanitizer, which they were all basically giving out in their little bags. Um, I, I felt good about it. And I, I really, um, I was ready to get out and I was, and, and I felt that it was as safe as, as at least they could practically make it. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and um, did you also start to develop a certain uh, preference for hand sanitizers? Because some, they really smell like alcohol and others are perfumed. And um, yeah, I have several bottles now and uh, I have my uh, preference. Yeah, so some of those, I mean, I think um, if you were having a, a crazy night, uh, the, the bottle shape is very similar to something that looks like it could be in your mini bar and uh, the smell even starts to smell a little bit like gin. So you could make a bad mistake if it were dark in your room, you know? So I'm with you. Good. I'm yeah. With you. Um, let's talk about some watches. We, uh, we picked some favorites and um, yeah, we might have the same, but first, before I forget, I just made a quick, quick note. There was also a non-watch brand that I really, really enjoyed. And um, perhaps we'll do a write-up. I don't know yet, but um they, uh, it's a brand called Reuge, R-E-U-G-E, and we visited them. We visited them on the last day. I think you and Rob were already gone, so I was there with uh, Bertie. Yep. And they made these uh, mechanical music boxes mm-hmm. or music automation, as they uh, they call them, I think, or something like that. And um, these used to be. Um, music boxes some mechanical music boxes that they sold in gift shops they were like a few hundred euro um but they turned it into this uh, this this luxury thing and luxury brand and they really had some amazing pieces that um that look awesome in the living room um somewhere w- with uh, burl wood and a lot of gold which i prefer but my wife don't <laughs> but uh, they also had some very um um yeah ni- very nice looking uh, industrial uh, looking or designed uh, pieces with uh, different tunes in there and i really enjoyed it it was a bit of an awkward thing to visit perhaps but um yeah i liked it and i started looking them up on on ebay and uh, you can get some of the old ones for like a few hundred bucks uh, really okay. nice ones but uh the more professional ones i think they started for ten thousand swiss francs but it's uh yeah they make some beautiful beautiful uh, mechanical uh music uh, music boxes so um if you have time to check them out um please do Reuge, r-e-u-g-e and um you'll be amazed i always had in my mind to buy a gegele culture atmos clock but i think i changed my mind okay well i want one of these music boxes you should get both because i think your uh your place has more than uh, one room doesn't it 
True. Yeah. True. Um, <laughs> so let's talk some watches. So yes. um, I'll lead off and um, I'll, I'll start with one because I think, um, yeah, perhaps we, we have it in common here and we can talk a little bit back and forth, but I, I chose the, uh, the Moser streamliner really as the favorite watch that I saw during my time in Geneva and uh, Balash actually wrote an article about this um, earlier in the week when we were there or the week prior when it debuted. And this is a watch that, that takes their, their streamliner design uh, to a much, you know, just a center seconds time only uh, direction from, from the year prior when they came out with a bullhead type style watch. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the, the, the integrated bracelet, uh, trend is obviously big time. And this, this is a, a very different take on it because, you know, the, the case style is much more organic. Um, you put it very rightly. There's a lot of Ebel in here and, you know, in person, uh, it's 40 millimeters basically all the way around. And, um, it's not too thick. I think it's like the case is 10 millimeters. So a little bit more with the crystal. Um, but in person, this is just a beautiful watch. And the, the bracelet here again is, is stunning. I mean, it, it fits my slim wrist. It articulates really well. It's got this really cool, um, matte finishing on the top side and in between the links, um, it's polished. So yeah, again, a little bit of a bell there and it really fit me beautifully. Um, it, almost 20,000, uh, Swiss francs. It is not for the, uh, not for the, uh, spend thrift, but, um, really a, a cool piece. And I have to say, you know, I like it better than the mainstream, uh, dress sport watches that are oftentimes five, six, seven, eight thousand more than that from AP or Patek or, or whatever. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, uh, I know you were, uh, eyeballing the green one but they also have a, a gray one and gray um, chronograph actually yeah and a chronograph and um that one also looks quite awesome i have to say but for me there the, attra- the main attraction is on the on the back side where you can u- see the chronograph movement and it shows a lot of depth as a handbound movement yeah. but in all fairness i have to say i like you i prefer the, the three-hander with the green dial um because it's a bit more clean looking and um, um, perhaps less attraction on the backside, although the movement is really, really nice with the gold rotor and the finishing. It really looks uh, top-notch, but um, it looks nice. It looks very organic-shaped somehow, and that, that's perhaps also a bit where my my association with the Abel, I think, Sport Wave or uh, 1911, uh, 1911 models yeah. uh, uh, come from. It's the bracelet, the wave bracelet, but it's also the case and how it's... Uh, how it has this sunbrushed uh, finish uh, uh, seen from the top. It looks uh, quite awesome. Um, we discussed the bracelet shortly with uh, Ed uh, Milan, who is the CEO of uh, Moser. And he also said that some people gave the feedback that the bracelet looks a bit like the lobster bracelets. And uh, I have to agree. It's really, really nice um, watch with the integrated bracelet. And um, like you, perhaps, and like some others that we uh, know, um, we, we start to turn away a bit from the Royal Oak and the Nautilus watches uh, for several reasons. 
And I think these are more refreshing, to be honest, to see that there is room and space for some new uh, integrated bracelet watches. And I think we saw the same a bit from, uh, it's not in my uh, my list, but um, uh, Zapek also really made a nice um, uh, watch with integrated bracelet. Yeah. Um, Perhaps if I would make a top five, it would be definitely uh, definitely in there. But um, the Antarctic uh, is the name of the Zapek. It really looks nice. It gave a, more or less a bit of the same integrated bracelet feeling as the as the Moser. Same uh, brushed finish uh, on the case, um, but I really see that there's still some some yeah some room for these integrated bracelet watches. It's not only Nautilus and Royal Oak and uh, uh, Overseas. But I'm happy to see that there are some other brands also um, filling in this some, this, this gap. Some yeah. some pretty unique takes. So yeah, that that Moser was yeah. impressive, and yeah, when we spoke with uh, Ed Mylon, um, I, I kind of joked. I said it's it's very rare for me to put a demo watch on, and it's actually sized to my very small wrist. And he he kind of chuckled, and he says he has small wrists, so <laughs> he he. Uh, he couldn't comment as to exactly why that one was was fit perfectly, but basically that yeah he needs to make a watch that he can wear too. So I was appreciative of that, but I think that watch at forty millimeters looks good on on larger wrists too. It looked good on yours, so it it's versatile. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. Yeah, and he, he you know you can expect uh, well it's it's regular production, um, and they said really, I mean they're probably limited by a number of things, but the bracelet production right now is actually the limiting factor, which is not the first brand uh, to tell us that Breitling told us that I think you had it with Omega. Um, So bracelet production is, is tough right now. And the, um, the other thing you can always expect with um, Moser is that uh, in the future, they'll probably release some different colors too. So if green isn't your thing, then be patient and, and see what comes along. Yeah, I'll make suggestions. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you know, you know, I don't think either of it uh, of us had it in the list. But while we're on this integrated bracelet thing, maybe you can give us like a, a two minute rundown of what you thought of that GP Laureato with the Onyx dial. Yeah, uh, you weren't there. I was there with uh, with Bert, and uh, we had an appointment uh, with uh, with uh, Gerard Pergot in their boutique at Rue de Montblanc, and uh, they showed us the heritage uh, or vintage in nineteen forty five. It's a rectangular watch. And they showed us a new 1966. It's a round uh, classic watch. And they also short, showed the new uh, Laureato in two models, one gents model and one they call it unisex, but I really don't think it is. Uh, ladies model in a 34 millimeter with diamonds. But what they all had in common was this deep black uh, dial. Onyx and, dial. Uh, yeah. Onyx dial. And that looked amazing on the Laureato. And I tried to watch on inside. We had a, a separate, uh, like a meeting room inside the boutique, where we took pictures and had discussion with the uh, with the people from uh, Gerard Pergot. And um, yeah, I really liked the watch. But then I stepped out the boutique with the watch on my wrist to to have Bert uh, taking some pictures of it. And outside, it really exploded. It's super super nice uh, with natural daylight. What an amazing watch. The downside. And here it comes. <laughs> they created a Laureato. I would definitely consider buying if I was in the market for a, for a new watch with integrated bracelet. Um, but then the downside is that it's only for uh, Wempe, I think. Yeah, 188 yeah. pieces, right? 188 pieces and uh, only for Wempe. 
Um, which is, I don't know, I don't mind buying a Vemper, um, but there's no Vemper here. Yeah. And um, I think it's a pity because I think for the Laureato, this is one of the first watches from that collection since ages that I would really consider buying. It's super, super nice. I'm um, with you. Uh, yeah. I'm with you because I think, you know, the rest of the line, while they're not bad looking watches, uh, we can all we can all agree that they're painfully close and some of the styling characteristics with, you know, the, the, the Royal Oak and, and this, uh, dial turns it into a completely different watch. And I, I can appreciate that Onyx, you know, if you look at the press material is not very easy to work with. It's, it's stone after all, but, you know, doing some sort of dial that isn't, um, doesn't have the texture, of the other models going forward, that's a non-limited edition. If they can somehow recreate that magic and maybe a different color, I think it would be, it would give that, that model a, a real shot in the arm. Yeah. Yeah. I also have to, uh, to add that I don't mind that it's a limited edition or a limited production or whatever. I just think they could have done more of them and uh, sell them in uh, more channels than only one. Yeah. I think if you made them limited to 2,000 pieces and do it uh, online only or online and Wemper, I think that would have made more sense because I think 188 is really limited for this one. Yeah, I think uh, they'll I think they'll actually regret it, honestly, because it, it really is a good-looking watch. Yeah, and it, I think the downside of doing something like that is um, they can't do it again. They cannot say, okay, this was such a success, we do another one with the Onyx dial. Well, they can. Um, We've seen, and we've make, seen. Two, make 200 for, uh, for our boutiques in New York, for, for example. That that I don't, that pisses off a lot of people. Well, we, we've seen plenty of brands over the last 10 years do just that. So I, I hope they don't, yeah. um, but yeah. it's, it's not good, but yeah. brands do it. So Yeah, no, that's true. Um, the downside for me, for Gerard Perricot, and I also... Uh, spoke to them about this very openly so i can share it here as well i think it's um they don't have the story aligned i mean with the nautilus uh, it's genta with uh, especially also with the royal oak it's genta of course but at gerard Perregaux, they don't really have a story connected to this uh, laureato watch i think people love to hear a story mm. and of course it's it's uh, always the best thing if a story is true and if there's some nice anecdote to share or when, when there's a famous designer behind it, but uh, they don't know. They just know that the watch is from somewhere 70s and um, that it's there in the catalog. And that's a pity because I think if they have a story lined up or do something uh, creative, I think they can have much more traction with that watch than they have now. Yeah. I mean, I was looking... Um at some of the old pictures from the seventies of these, of this watch and look, GP has quite a history, obviously first high frequency movement. Um, although, you know, it wasn't based on their own movement. They, I mean, they did the work on creating the high frequency portion, but I, I don't really know historically how they're, they're actually regarded. I, you know, they did some neat things, but I even wonder in the late seventies when they first came out with the Laureato, if even then people looked at it as kind of a, yeah, not a copycat. That's too strong a word, but was it, was it also a bit of a derivative watch as well, you know, and maybe that's why the story isn't so strong. I I, I don't know the answer, but I, I don't think 
I don't think that it was really um, breaking new ground, if you know what I mean. It was sort of on that integrated bracelet um, trend in the late seventies that most brands hopped onto. Um, okay, yeah. they yeah, even Rolex did with the oyster quartz. It, exactly. And, uh, yeah, they all they all did, yeah. and and maybe there just isn't a great story. But I mean, I look at the vintage ones, and they're pretty cool. I mean, I was like actually thinking, oh, I should go find one of those. But yeah. True. Yeah. So let's move on with the list. Otherwise, we uh, will talk for hours. Um, so the motor is uh, on both of our lists. So it's my turn, I think. Yeah. Um, we visited uh, Bulgari. Uh, they were in uh, the Ritz Hotel in uh, Geneva, uh, which is very nice, I have to add. And uh, we did an interview with uh, Babin. Um, Rob Nutz did an interview. We recorded it on video. So you will see that on Fratello uh, uh, later on. I think Bertha's editing the video as we speak. Um, but we also saw some new watches. They had a new Octo Finissimo, um, Tourbillon Chronograph, uh, which is really nice. And they had a new collection called the Bulgari Bulgari, uh, which used to be called the Bulgari Diagono. Um, uh, yes. They, they stopped or they discontinued the Diagono, I think. And now they call this model also Bulgari Bulgari. And it came in three versions, uh, with a black dial, a white dial, and a chronograph. And I think the special thing about this watch is that it is in uh, aluminum with a rubber strap, very sporty. They aim a bit at uh, millennials with this watch. Um, I think it starts around 3,000. The chronograph is uh, around 4,000. And uh, But my favorite Bulgari watch, what they showed to us, is the new Genta watch talking about integrated bracelets this one doesn't have one despite being a genta it's a gerald genta arena by retrograde sport and um, genta had been doing these retrograde watches since uh, 96 and some of you might remember them by the mickey mouse and the donald duck um, figures on the on the dial um and yeah, he had been doing this since 96, and in 2000, Bulgari, they acquired Gerald Genta and uh, also uses the, the Manufacture in the Le Sanchez, I think, where J.J. Uh, Le Coultre also uh, is. And I think Daniel Roth was also in that uh, Manufacture mm-hmm. building. Yeah. And um, yeah, this watch really, to, to come back to the watch, it's a really nice piece. I did a write-up uh, on September 3rd. It's... Um, titanium watch is 43 millimeter but it definitely wears smaller than that perhaps also because the relatively uh, short lugs and uh, it's 12 millimeters uh, thick or thin um, so it's a bit of a sports watch uh, it's also in the model name sport but um, um, yeah it looked really neat and i liked the uh, black and yellow it uh, makes it a bit more sporty and it's water resistant to 100 meter it has a, a proper nice uh, strap on it it's it's an alligator strap i think but it feels a bit um, rubbery so perhaps it's coated or something or at least it, it's matte um but it's a lovely watch it's uh, not cheap it comes at fifteen thousand euro yeah and um and there, there's a bit of the issue if you look at um, uh, pre-owned gerald genta watches you can find them much cheaper um but these are smaller much smaller so you yeah it's not a given that they will always fit and um yeah always make sure they are uh, properly working and uh, always you need always to calculate the surface uh, when 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 purchasing these watches so you might want to inquire what the service will uh, set you back um 
but this one is uh, is I, I liked it. It's a beautiful uh, watch. Uh, I like the Octo Finissimo a lot, as you know. We covered them many times on uh, Fratello, meanwhile. But I think this was quite well. It's not a new watch. I found it refreshing to have uh, this watch on the on the wrist, basically. Yeah, it was. I, I, I'm with you. I thought it was really cool. I like the colors a lot. I really like the um, the black, the anthracite, and the this like slightly mustardy yellow and really very um yeah just an arresting watch um i'm with you on the pricing um then again like i played with the movement a little bit and had it actually snap back um when i was winding it and super cool um and yeah regarding the octo i I did try on the blue uh dialed version which was just stunning i mean i think that's my favorite now um of, of the octo finissimo it was really gorgeous to to get my hands on it finally so they had a good showing um yeah Bulgari had a nice uh, and they booked like half of their ritz hotel it was unbelievable they yeah. had a huge uh, huge space for them uh, alone um yeah, it was but that, they had a lot to show and they also had quite some uh, some some guests there but uh, yeah this this Yergenta arena is uh, was one of my favorites uh, for sure um the movement is nice to to look at, and also uh, the, the hands are are nice when they when they uh, sweep back to uh, to the first position or the the zero position when it comes to the minutes, yeah. and it has a jumping hour, which is not really an an easy complication. It um, sure yeah, no, it's beautiful. Um, so, what's your second pick? Yeah, so my second pick um, is actually a non Geneva Watch Days pick, but as you said, some of the brands were. We're holding court there. Uh, so we stopped into the Panerai boutique and, you know, it's been, a, it's been a while since I've tried on new Panerai and despite, you know, we get a lot of news from them and I, I write up some things. It was, it was nice to, to sit down in the boutique, um, try some things on, take a look around, you know, their boutiques are really nice to go into and, they showed us uh, a number of things, but what really stuck out to me and I think to the rest of the team uh, were two new 42 millimeter submersibles. And, you know, there were two there. There was a, a stainless version that they're calling the submersible Azuro, which was a black dialed piece with a uh, blue ceramic bezel. And yep. then they showed us That's a... That's what the Azuro is about. Yeah. Yeah. And... and and that's the 1209, which strangely, if I try to go click on the link right now, it is not available. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, and then they showed us the um, the 974, which is basically the same watch, but uh, with a black bezel, black dial, and using their rose gold, gold tech material. And, you know, for... Yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it's about, I I think the, so the stainless model we looked at was, you know, around 9,500 Swiss francs and the gold tech, I think was around 27,000. So not cheap. Um, They both use the P900 in-house three-day movement, as I said, 42 millimeters and a shockingly slim 13.2 millimeters thick. And these are really amazingly wearable. Um, I, I think that sure that the diehard Panerai folks are generally 44 millimeters and above, but I don't think these are, you know, pretenders at all. They, they, but they're really good, um, 
arguments for an everyday watch if you feel comfortable wearing a dive watch all the time. And yeah. I mean, I think most of us do. So, I, but it's also that uh, that, that Panerai they, they can't only live off uh, of Paneristi like uh, Omega can't only live off uh, Speedmaster, Speedmaster guys. people. No, no, and uh, all I can say is that uh, you know if you if you like the Panerai aesthetic or you did used to, you really liked it in the past and you kind of got a little bit burnt out by it. I'd recommend going in and trying some things on. They they have a wider array of sizes and styles than than you'd think. Um, it's it's sometimes tough to get a handle on the catalog. There are so many different watches, but these were really nice and they're beautifully made. Uh, I'm 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 impressed. I mean, I I don't. I thought at one point, boy, it's going to be a long time until I go really look at a Panerai. But I would consider these. They're really nice. Yeah, no, I I like the gold one as well, and I also had a, a short discussion with uh, with them at Panerai, and also uh, uh, the CEO Pontaway he, uh, he came in for a bit to talk up to us about these new watches. Um, the submersible is uh, is uh, normally uh, much bigger, but it would not make sense to to do that in gold because it's a huge chunk of gold uh, that way. So forty two millimeters make makes a lot of sense to uh, to. Uh, to have for the gold watch yeah and and sorry before you go on i should mention one other thing because um i did get some questions about this but we um we dropped some information on uh the new panerai specchio blue which is a uh, 44 millimeter luminor marina the 1316 with uh yeah blue dial uh, and it is the first model to use their new slimmer bracelet. And I would tell you here again, it was a really nice bracelet. So it's got kind of a double button opening. So not really like a hardcore dive bracelet with any kind of um, wetsuit extension, but much slimmer than the old uh, Panerai bracelets that were really quite chunky the links. This is much more elegant, much more. Yeah. I, I think it just fits, fits a slimmer wrist better, but looks classier, frankly. So for those of you who are wondering what that's like in the metal, uh, we did get to see that and it was, I think very well done. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Good. So my last, uh, my last pick was, uh, was a Geneva watch days brand called Uwerk. Um, I'm pretty sure you you heard about them. Perhaps you didn't see an Uwerk in the flesh, but I can uh, recommend uh, uh, taking a look at one. They're beautiful uh, uh, pieces of art, basically. And especially this one that I chose is the URT8. And um, it has, uh, besides the nice the satellite displays and uh, a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, like a tapestry dial, it is hand engraved by uh, King Nerd, Johnny Dowell, and um, you might know him from one of our interviews on Fratello. I had to look it up. It was back in 2017 where we interviewed him about uh, a Speedmaster that he uh, hand engraved himself with uh, with Snoopy. I think it was a Speedmaster uh, Schumacher uh, racing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he did a very nice job. And I think meantime, he also did uh, some engraving uh, work for uh, Linda Radlin. And now he, uh, he did a collab uh, with uh, with Uwerk. it's a beautiful stunning watch it's unreal it's huge on the wrist it's like an iphone on the wrist but a little so bit perhaps, like a ploprof i would say in some ways like it's not huge yeah. lugs right 
No, it, it does fit. It does fit, but it's uh, the, the width is enormous, like a ProProf, but I, I think it's uh, a bigger, bit bigger than a ProProf. Much bigger, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the wires are more or less uh, the same, but bigger. But it's a uh, quite an amazing uh, uh, watch, and you can uh, um, not like a Reverso, but more like uh, Cartier had them as well. Um, the watch that you can flip around, Basculanta, the tank. Basculanta, I think. Yeah, you have to uh, to 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 lift it upwards, then twist it, and then you can push it down again. Um, a beautiful watch. I think Uhrwerk is really an amazing uh, uh, independent watch brand that is worth uh, checking out if you're in, the, in into these kinds of uh, kind of watches. Yeah, I I mean that was my first opportunity to really go hands on with their watches. Um, both they and MBNF are, are two companies I never really sat down and, and and had that opportunity. And I did all in the space of basically a day and I was blown away by both of them. Um, that, that uh, the model you mentioned had this engraving of, of dinosaurs on it and wow, just impressive. Um, Rob had it on his wrist and I took some pictures then I put it on mine and I, <laughs> I mean, wild watch, but like you said, incredibly done. So, yeah. Um, so my last Your watch, yeah, yeah. My, my, my last watch and I'm, boy, it, it feels really bad to not pick another Geneva watch day watch, but I feel like we've actually spoken the more than uh, about more than three each. So the watch I will mention here is the uh, Omega Seamaster 300M Necton. And we were fortunate enough to uh, be able to arrange to see one there at the boutique while we were in town. And we got to sit down and, and look at um, you know, a version on, on the rubber strap and a version on bracelet. And wow, I mean, this, this is really for me the 300M that uh, I think, I know if, if I were going to buy one, this would be the one I'd buy. And I think a lot of people will really sign up for this one because it, it lacks a date. It's, um, it's got great colors and, you know, it comes in that, what is it? 42 millimeters. So it's quite wearable and pricing is just a little bit more than the normal, the normal 42 millimeter, but it has this titanium high relief bezel that, you know, some people, you know, call out the yacht master, but it actually harkens back to an early nineties America's cup Seamaster that Omega made. So, I think it's relevant within their within their model lineup and, and their history, but it's just a great looking watch. And in a in a day or in a in a week where we're we're going to talk soon about Rolex, I think it just continues to provide a really credible alternative, and it's a watch that you can go out and find. Um, for me, strangely, uh, I really liked it on rubber strap versus bracelet. Uh, I don't love that bracelet with its little links, uh, shiny links, but I, I thought it looked fantastic on on strap. Yeah, I agree. We got the press release uh, on Wednesday, the first day of um, of the Geneva watch days, and um, yeah, we we only saw press pictures, and then we reached out to Omega uh, while we were in Switzerland anyway, and they uh, they sent the driver over with the two watches for us to uh, to check out and to review, and. Um, I have to say the rubber strap version would be my pick as well. Um, and I really like it. I like the 300M since the moment they uh, released uh, the new, uh, the current models in 2018. And I had a small, uh, small uh, preference for the uh, black and rose gold one on a rubber strap. But I think this Necton one is um, 
for me would be uh, the pick. I really like the the, the bezel with the, the raised uh, numerals. Uh, I used to have a Yachtmaster, so um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, for me that was really a nice watch. The, the watch is of steel. The the the, the bezel is made of titanium, like you said. It has a beautiful movement, but you can't view it. It has a, this Necton submarine uh, submariner on the on the on the case back in the case back, yeah. this medallion. But it's really a lovely watch. I agree. Um, it will not be oct- uh, available before October 2020. Um, but before that, we will do a hands-on review of that watch, and you can uh, see it a bit m- with some real-life pictures instead of the the press material that uh, we previously used and it's non-limited which should make people happy yeah well it it is an addition and um, i don't want to 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 go on with that topic but uh, i guess it will be in the collection as long as they have this partnership with necton um, or when they will do another one with necton in the future yeah Um, yeah but great pick i uh, really uh, like that watch and um, i'm happy that uh, we uh, uh, yeah we will able to to see it in the flesh yeah um so that said this week <laughs> last tuesday the bomb exploded um because there are new rolexes or uh not really new rolexes there are some updated models yes and uh, some websites of uh, good friends of ours um, they brought it as the biggest news in watches uh, ever and i think they even wrote it like that uh, I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, but um, yeah, a lot of people are always keen on on seeing novelties from Rolex, and a lot of people thought that they would not do anything this year because they indicated they would postpone. But as we said before, the fact that they postponed their Basel releases doesn't mean they will not do anything in 2020. But I think people just uh, took that for uh, for truth. Um, yeah, they have a, a number of new watches, um, new Submariner collection. The old ones will be discontinued, and they have a new uh, Oyster Perpetual collection in 36 and 41 millimeter, meaning the 39 will be discontinued. And uh, Sky Dwellers. Not a new sky, it's not a new Sky Dweller. It's a Sky Dweller on a rubber Oyster Flex strap. And there was some Datejust news as well, which I... Didn't see much press on, but there's something new there, I guess. Yeah, maybe some variants or something, but nothing. Yeah, we were invited for uh, for Rolex to to go there and see the new watches, but um, we were invited to go to the Brussels uh, headquarters um, because they are responsible, amongst others, for the Belgian and the Dutch market, um, and we are in the, in the Netherlands. Um, but Belgium is an orange country. Um, normally the Netherlands are an orange country, but in this case, it means that it is a country that is marked as, uh, as uh, well, not dangerous, but when I go to Belgium and I return, I need to be in quarantine for 10 days. And that's something I can't afford right now or want to, uh, to, uh, to do to my, uh, to my family. Um, so I didn't go. Uh, nobody went from our team, basically. Uh, Bert and I were ready to go, but we saw last minute that Belgium was a, an orange country. So, uh, yeah, that's that. We had a, a, not a Zoom, but they used something else. We had a call, video call with uh, with Rolex on uh, on Tuesday. And, of course, we saw the, the images that everyone saw. Um, what do you think? So, I, I mean, the the... I'll actually start with the Oyster Perpetual, which um, 
you know, the, the big news there were some pretty bright, vivid colors like uh, pink and turquoise and yellow and orange and green. Um, I think they're neat. I will, uh, there, there was a silver version that Rob wrote up with uh, gold, like uh, rose gold details or yellow gold details on the markers and hands. And I think they look really nice at, at roughly 5,500 euros for 36 millimeters. I think they're, dare I say, approachable and they're really good watches. So, you know, the bright colors, some, some people were really turned off and felt that they didn't match Rolex's conservative stature, but I think they're neat and, and I hope we actually see them. I, I, I don't know really how difficult it is to find a steel oyster perpetual, but I'd suggest easier than the sports watches. So hopefully these will make their way forward. I know my wife really liked the pink one. Um, but you know, the, the big news of course was the Submariner. And I mean, I think for me, it was, I, I, I have an article coming out on it, kind of an opinion piece like you did. And I mean, I'll spoil it a little bit, or maybe it'll be out by this time, but I think for me, I, I, I enjoy reading like 24 hours later in the forums, what people were saying. And it was amazing. The, uh, the feedback, right. You had a lot of people who were very positive. You had people who, you know, picked on little things, concerns about a one millimeter growth in case size, which I get, I mean, I, I'm going to have to try it on to ensure it doesn't fit like the Explorer two, which is just too big for me. But you had other people who, who are making a lot of really angry comments and you can tell underneath that these are real fans of the brand who are really just upset because they know they're not going to be able to get one. And I feel bad. I really do for them because they're fans of the brand. They, they like it. They're not flippers, but they know that they're not going to be able to get one. And that's really why they're making bad comments because their, their feelings are hurt. And, um, but I think the the releases are good. You'd never expect um, massive changes to the Submariner line. I like the return of the Kermit uh, with the black dial. I always thought the Hulk was a little bit too too playful, um, although we're we're more and more casual these days. But I like the return. The biggest thing to me is just the return of more sculpted lugs. I I just never liked the prior case. I mean, I've, I've been notably outspoken about how clumsy I thought it looked and just not, not great. I mean, I can totally get it. If, you know, you had an opportunity in the last 10 years to buy a Submariner and you walked into the store because you'd saved up your money and that's what you wanted. And that was the Submariner on offer. Totally get it because it's a great watch. I just didn't like the styling and I'm really happy that they, they brought it back. Um, the movement updates, not a surprise. It's good. I mean, I don't get jazzed about 70 hour power reserves. I think it's, uh, kind of, it's, it's more practical than, you know, bragging about water resistance, but you know, I, I made the comment in my article, it shows how far we've come when, you know, a Submariner isn't your daily watch anymore and you have to worry about power reserve. <laughs> so, um, but no, good releases. Um, I think it's actually good to bring attention to the watch industry when Rolex does something because people get excited about watches again. So, yeah, overall, I, I think they're good. Okay. I uh, feel a bit different. I uh, was a bit underwhelmed by them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one of the Submariners that you 
just called ugly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Um, I just got used to the to the to the beefy or fat lugs, and uh, I think that they are an improvement over the previous ones. Um, the the sixteen six ten was it? I think yeah. The, the, the one six six ten oh. That is for me to me what the ugliest Submariner ever. And I think with the the new one with the beefier lugs, um, I think it looked just so much better. And um, I get that they did the update. I get that they uh, they uh, they shaved some steel off the the lugs. That's that's okay. But I don't see the big news in this. I mean, um, I, I also mentioned this in my article uh, when BMW did the new three series in two thousand twelve. I think in 2014 or, 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 or 15, they did a little update. Uh, the front changed a bit and they changed uh, the rear light. Um, they moved it from, uh, from, uh, from up to down and that's it. And then they call it the LCI or something like a, I don't know, some, some, some upgrade or some, uh, some uh, facelift. Um, and for me, that's this basically. It's, an, it's a facelift of an existing model. So they slimmed down the lugs a bit. Um, for me, the biggest news is in a movement that they uh, use the new uh, 3230 caliber instead of the 3130, which uh, now has 70 hours of power reserve and a new uh, escapement, a very technical uh, upgrade or update. But I think in, in, in terms of uh, uh, aesthetics, um, it's also a bit awkward because uh, I saw that Hodinkee and Revolution and both had the opportunity to go hands-on with these uh, these watches because uh, well they, they had easier access to them uh, w- without the, the traveling uh, restrictions. Um, I saw that on the Hodinkee, Stephen Pulferent, he wrote that it looks actually a bit bigger than the 40 millimeter watch that I have, the ugly one. And I read that Waco from Revolution wrote it looks actually a bit smaller because it's uh, it's it has thinner lugs. So, yeah, what is it? And here you can see that there's a lot of different perception on exactly the same watch. What I also didn't like about the Submariner date is that with all the different colors, to me, they they steinhearted the the, the Submariner bit. And, um, yeah, that's something I don't don't know. The Submariner for me is the black one. And... um, I, with the Hulk, I got it. The Kermit, I got it. Um, but I don't know if it's a really good idea to keep continue doing this in the in the, in the core collection. Um, I feel that it is a bit of a missed opportunity for Rolex to do something really different or something really. But on the other hand, nobody expects them to do that. And everyone knows that they will not do really big things. So um, I, I think that the, the, the change from the aluminum bezel and the, the, the ugly uh, Submariner. So before mine, uh, when they they released the new ones in two thousand nine for the the bicolor and in two thousand ten, um, um, yeah, yeah, the all steel the all steel one, that was a bigger change to do to go to the beefier lugs and um, ceramic bezel and so on. I think they also had a, introduced a new bracelet back then. Um, then they did now. This really feels like a facelift, and I don't get the, all the excitement uh, that I that I see. Um, same for the Sky Dweller. For me, that's yeah. It has a new, it has a rubber strap instead of the gold bracelet. And if you go for the Sky Dweller, you should go for the gold bracelet anyway. Um, but the Oyster Perpetual, I think that's that's the one. That's a super nice one. I like it. In, I think I, I, I want to. Tr- I want I definitely want to give it a try in forty-one millimeters. 
I think 39 was a bit too small for me, but um, I think that's a nice watch with the different colors. That's something I really would like to to try. But for Submariners, I mean, it's nice that they have a facelift, but uh, yeah, poo-poo, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, with the Submariner, I, I guess I kind of come back to the the real question is is, is what what are people expecting? And um, I think it's... I think it's wrong to expect too much because what what else can they really do at this point? You know, the ceramic, like you said, was a big deal. And obviously they've made strides in the movement department, which I know they have to. Um, they're a technology company as well, uh, or at least they, they stay up on technology um, and everybody else is, is adding these uh, fancier escapements and more power reserves. So totally get it. But I don't, you know, that there was a lot of hope out there for, you know, like a, a blue on blue, but we can probably really sit back and look each other in the eye and say, that's Tudor's realm. They're not going there. Um, no, and, that's true. And, and then, especially on a steel model, right? And then, um, you know, the, the only thing I could think of is um, kind of like with an Explorers, it would be interesting to see a white dial, but I I don't, I just don't know. I mean, I, I think... We can also sit back and say, at least at this point, and um, clearly if they ever ran into a sales slump, they could decide to do something then, but they don't really have to do anything. I mean, that's the that's the crazy no, thing of it, you know? Yeah, that's true. The crazy also, thing. That's also a bit of laziness, I think. And I also asked Rolex during our call with them to if they are going to increase the production on the Submariner because they now have more flavors, basically. And um, will they then also increase the production a bit and uh, give it an even spread or something? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, no no answer there. And um, um, that would be interesting to see if this new production or new model or facelift model, if, if it will be also become more widely available because that's still bothering people not me because i'm not in the market anyway but it's still bothering people and but in I, the end i guess it will also bother rolex yeah I, I i think it will and and we did talk to some brands in geneva um and i and we've spoken with others who have picked up sales because people are sick and tired of of not being Here able to get one and yeah. i can appreciate that i i think that i i don't see an end to this type of um yeah gobbling up these steel sports watches because unfortunately you know at eight thousand or nine thousand bucks whatever these things cost um it's unfortunately too accessible there's just seems to be too much cash in the world right now and if they're doing the same thing with a royal oak or a nautilus which i get that those are lower production these are relatively nothing compared to that cost-wise. Yeah. No, that's true. And um, I think Rolex is also still currency. And um, yeah. I think that that's, that also doesn't help um, for, for the watch enthusiast. Um, they are seen as currency also by people who have nothing with uh, going on for watches. Um, they just buy them because they know they can flip them or they keep them because they know it's worth. They get more interest basically on their Rolex than on their uh, bank accounts. Yeah. Um, which is a pity. On the other hand, um, brands really, uh, really uh, uh, gain for other brands gain from that. We, like you said, we heard that during Geneva Watch Days. We heard it before. Um, 
The downside for some brands, I will not mention any brands, but we were in a boutique uh, a while ago and there they told us that uh, people are coming in asking for their watches and um, then they don't buy them because they say, yeah, but your watches uh, lose money over time. And when I put the same money in a Rolex, it will gain over time. Um, and that's the downside for some brands that are operating in the same price bracket, I guess, or in a higher price bracket even. Um, but I think, yeah, that's a pity because I think people should buy watches that they really like and because they, they like them and want to wear them. And it's nice if a watch increases uh, in value over time, but yeah, that should not be the, and they, the main reason to purchase a nice watch. That's still my, my belief. And I know a lot of people think differently, but uh, buy what you like. And if that's a watch that loses 40% of its value, then uh, you, you, yeah, buy pre-owned or buy, buy smart, so to speak. Keep it. But um, yeah, or just, yeah, keep it. And, um, uh, but if you buy pre-owned or buy it with a bit of discount, then at least you, you don't have the, the bad feeling about it, I guess, because you got it at a good price. Sure. You still have the watch that you want uh, instead of a Rolex that you only bought because uh, it will increase a bit of uh, uh, value uh, uh, along the way. Um, but in the end, you will have the same watch as uh, dozens of others in your uh, village. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's true. It's true. I yeah, it's, uh, I mean, all good things come to an end at some point. So, you know, for all these folks who buy them just to sit on, who knows if that'll continue, right? And um, you're right, you should end, you should buy what you like. I, I, I still think, though, that um, unfortunately, if buying what you like is a submariner and you want to go into a store and do it, it just stinks that you can't do it. And, uh, yeah. you know, this news True. that came out yesterday is, or this week is just sort of like, okay, good, but I can't take advantage of it, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. but I, but I'm curious, do you, do you have any idea on these oyster perpetuals or any thoughts on some of these kind of wild, crazy colors? Do you think these are going to be hard to find or do you think that they'll burn off pretty quickly? Well, at the moment, yeah, like uh, two years ago, you, you could still buy any Datejust that you want. And if you go now to your Rolex dealer and ask for a specific uh, Datejust even, uh, you have to wait or just accept the one that they do have uh, laying around. Mm. Uh, I guess uh, same will be true for Oyster Perpetual. To be honest, I don't know because I don't care. Yeah, um, yeah um, you, you get no so, so often. And even more stupid, a while ago, there was this show in Amsterdam uh, organized by Schaap and Citroen. Try to pronounce that if you're not from the Netherlands. Um, they are Schaap, a big retailer Schaap like, and Citroen. Yes. <laughs> Sheep and melon. <laughs> uh, lemon, sorry. Um, but they had a, a watch show and the brands, they, 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 yeah, they brought some watches, uh, some novelties, and uh, the brand representatives were there. And you could really see every watch and try every watch there from from uh, from uh, uh, Alpina and, uh, and Frédéric Constant to up to uh, Patek Philippe except for Rolex the the people from the, the retailer were not allowed by Rolex to take the watches out of the display for people to try them out it was forbidden it's those kind of things make it really awkward and, and stupid and in my opinion that also uh, yeah that that it doesn't really help my my interest in in this brand to be honest yeah and i think and i, I like to i like the watches as such and they're really good value they don't break it's uh i also like the looks i like the submariner and the gmt um the the, the wimbledon day just is uh, one of my, uh, my my favorites but um 
yeah, the, just this behavior is something that really, uh, uh, yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. And it, and yeah, it, and it frustrates. Yeah. And, it, and I think, you know, going back to Geneva and just um, spending the time with the brands and really talking to them about the watches and, and seeing some pretty incredible things, uh, there are good options out there. Um, and so Definitely. sometimes the resale topic comes in, sometimes it doesn't, but I, but also with Rolex, there are options. I mean, exactly. I, I really like a gold day date and I know you do too. Yeah. And at the moment, um, no problem to get like one. You just put, no problem to get one on Chrono 24. You can buy a very nice pre-owned 18238 or even a 118238. And it's still cheaper than some of the steel sports models that are in the actual catalog for half of the price, but cost more than a gold day date from a few years ago. Makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, good. Thank you, uh, for your review on that. And, um, before we end this show, I want to, uh, to, to share a few words on uh, the website. We are uh, facing a new redesign in the near future, but meanwhile, we also, we already uh, made some changes into our commenting system. In the past, we used to discuss, and that seemed to be uh, a bit of a hurdle for people to leave a comment because you needed to create an account and so on. And now we created our own uh, commenting system. Uh, you can create a profile if you want. You can uh, share the watches uh, uh, that you have and uh, uh, list them. You can select the brands that you favor. And then if we have some, some novelty on that brand or we do an event with the brand, you'll get a heads up. Um, um, but also you can, you can also uh, leave a comment uh, anonymous. You don't have to, uh, to, to create a profile. But um, it has been very uh, successful so far. A lot of people did, a few hundred, and uh, we get more comments uh, than ever uh, below our articles. So we really would urge you to uh, to join. And um, it would be nice if you create a profile. And um, in the end, it will be also uh, linked to the shop profile where we will be selling some more watches. And uh, in November, we have something really awesome to come into the shop. We already... Uh, uh, more or less announced it in uh, in the podcast that we did with uh, Tim Strakko of Corner Twenty Four, um, but now we have a bit more uh, more uh, view on the release date, and it will be November, and it will be awesome. Yeah, yeah. The new comment system is great. I um, we've all used it, and we're seeing a lot more feedback. So if you haven't taken a look at that yet, and given your opinion on whatever article, give it a shot. It's uh, it's much easier. So. Exactly. We also, I noticed that the, the team also responds more Yeah. Um, with this uh, system because no. we really get more active notifications than in the past with uh, Discuss. So it's, uh, it really works both ways. Yeah, it's, it's much more user-friendly for sure. Good. Then um, thanks for listening. If you want to uh, reach out to us, uh, that's always possible. Uh, you can do that uh, by sending an email to info at fratello.com or send us a direct message on Instagram. It's at Fratello Watches. And of course, you can uh, can follow us uh, personally as well. My account is at RJ Brewer. And uh, yours, Mike. Mike in Frankfurt. 